Young Burger Disciple and Chain Mac coming at you. Giants fans, why are you here? Let's face it, you're just like us and are star for content that focuses on the one thing that's important in life, the New York football Giants. So who are we? Are we a podcast talking big blue all year round? Or a bunch of fanatics talking shit at the end of the bar? Tune in, turn it up, and let's find out. Tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year is not brought to you by anyone. Insert sponsor here. Please like and follow Big Blue All Year on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, buckle up. Spoilers and adult content ahead because we're fucking doing it live. All right, guys, Marcus Golden is back. Let's just get into it. <sighs> what does that mean for a linebacker core? Like, what's what's going on? Honestly, Mac, pretty relieved we're able to have him back. For those of you listening who don't know, Marcus was given the unusual unrestricted free agent tender by New York back in April. So the deadline for, the, for a team to sign him was July 22nd, which has passed, and no team signed him. So now he has the option of signing this one-year, $4.125 million tender to return to the Giants, or he's not playing football in 2020. And after the career season he had in 2019, on that one-year, like, prove-it deal, I honestly want him back. And I'm excited to have him back because, you know what? He had 10 sacks last season, and we need some of that. For what do you think, Disciple? Sorry to jump in. Disciple, I, you might be able to answer this. What The unrestricted free agent tender, I feel like we never talk about this. It, it, why isn't it used? Like, is that different than the franchise tender? What's what, what's going on with that? Uh, well, it's definitely uh, a trick up the bag of uh, a GM's bag of tricks. I, I feel like I've never actually heard of it been used in any context before, let alone the Giants. I don't know if you guys have, but I, I think this was kind of like 40 chess by Dave Gettleman because he knew – he probably knew that you wouldn't have any crazy, crazy kind of suitors coming at him. So now that we've waited that long, we have exclusive rights, but it's up to him to sign it. He could just sit out and say, I got a family. I don't want to play, as a lot of guys are doing nowadays. So, you know. Separate of COVID, though, there's no way that happens, right? Like, let's – in a vacuum, the idea that Marcus Golden, who just went an entire offseason without a better deal than a four point, what, what did you say, Berger, a $4.1 million deal? I mean, there's no possible way he doesn't just sign that, you know, and, and take the deal, right? I mean, um, what if he thinks he's worth more? He was looking for $10 million on the open market. He was looking that's for a That's half deal. of his, yeah. Okay, fair, fair, fair. But. It, do you, he didn't get that. Is there any reality in the world where he sits out an entire season, is a year older, has no tape, and then somehow gets a better deal than $4 million in 2021? That seems insane to me. If he's afraid of COVID, like, I totally understand. Like, you see all these players are dropping out left and right right now. Uh, but you're right, uh, Mac. He's going to be 30 if he takes off this year. Another year not playing, and he already missed 2017 and part of 2018 with that ACL injury. That's why the Giants got him on that cheap one-year prove-it deal. And you know what? He bet on himself, and he killed it. And that's why I think he could sit because he's like, I did all this hard work. You know, I had a career season, and I didn't get the contract. Like, why would I risk 
playing on this like small term deal could get hurt again. And then that could be his like whole career. So I can see the flip side of why he's maybe afraid to play, but I'm optimistic. I think he's going to sign the tender. He's going to play. He's going to help the team. You know, before the tender, I was thinking that Kyler Fackrell was going to be Golden's replacement. And he's he's not a high-level pass rusher. He's like a lower-level guy, rotational guy that you're going to put in, and he's going to fit the scheme. And I really think that's why Gettleman brought him in the first place to fit Betcher's scheme. But now Betcher's no longer here. So I'm kind of wondering how all these linebackers are going to fit also, I loved how What's you just pronounced uh, Fakrell. It makes me think of I, I Hernandez. I heard it. <laughs> no, I, I do believe I heard it uh, pronounced that way. Fakrell. Oh, it's, so it's 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 actually pronounced that way. It's not Fakrell. I I I want to say I heard somebody professional as fuck say Fakrell. Fak me then. I've been pronouncing it wrong for months. Well, Fakrell. Was handed a similar deal as Golden last year, you know, one year prove it deal, and he honestly doesn't have. I looked up his stats; they're very underwhelming. Like he's only started seven games, or no, wait, hold on, sorry, nine games of the sixty-one he's played in his career over his four-year career, and he only has sixteen and a half career sacks. So, like, honestly, like if some other linebacker step off in training camp, like I could see him maybe not making the team, but said it. Wait, you think it's possible that Fakrell nah. doesn't even make the roster? <laughs> no, he's making the roster. It's well, only three point five million guaranteed. That's dead money. That's not the worst situation. Like, if we could leave someone but, better playing, I would well, I, I don't think we do. And the and the point I'm going to make right now is the Packers went out of their way to sign people to replace him. Now that's because Patrick Graham also had left. So maybe Fat Crow was his guy. You know what I mean? That's uh, that's something I feel like scheme uh, personnel is kind of overlooked. Okay, and he well, was his he that. was his D coordinator too when he had that career season on Green Bay. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that ten and a half sack season. So maybe we'll find a little little gold there. So what? That was two, 2018 because Graham was the DC for the Dolphins last year with the yep. Packers before that, and that's when correct. we're saying that Fackrell had a uh, had a good season with him? That is yes. correct. At least that's a reason to be optimistic. But all right, let's 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 get into it then. We're talking about Marcus Golden coming back, the guy who we thought was going to replace him. So now we have two guys. I don't know what you want to say about him, but what does that mean for the linebacker group as a whole? Are, are either of them starting? Who's in the middle? Like, what's what is going on with – are we is our our base set a three four? Let's let's start there. So we are. It sounds like with the addition of Patrick Graham and and the Patriots mindset that we're going to be a hybrid defense. But it, I think the agreed upon assumption is our base defense is still at three four. So the yes. four linebackers, two outside linebackers, two middle linebackers. What is our ideal starting four? And how are we feeling about it? I feel like we've been investing in the linebackers, which we've been complaining about since Jerry Reese. But is, <laughs> it, is have we actually done anything, or do we just have more bodies? I do think Martinez is going to be an upgrade. I don't know to what degree he will be an upgrade, but I do feel that his presence will be felt on the field. So I'll go inside linebackers. I'll let Berger hand to the outside linebackers. But he thinks, I think it's going to be uh, Martinez, and I feel like it's almost Conley's job to lose. He earned it out of the gate last year. I believe – was he starting in Dallas or did he start the next game? I can't no, remember. No, he didn't start in Dallas. Um, I want to say 
Ah, no, D- uh, Tay Davis. Tay Davis, I think, was the starter. Really? And immediately after that, that he, Dallas game was like, eh, nah, let's get this guy the hell out of here. Dude, well, I mean, Connolly showed up. You know, he was projected as a special teamer. And he had a pretty impressive first year. I just wish he didn't get hurt, man. That was like I was I was sad that day. I really was. Was that against the Skins? I uh, yes. Was that he against a good the game Washington Redskins? Oh, Redskins? the team in Washington. Right. <laughs> <laughs> against Dwayne Haskins, uh, badass. What do you think about the – Dude, Dwayne Haskins looks great right now. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's shredded, bro. He's going he's gonna, to – he might be a problem, bro. He might yeah, be I, a problem. I, I, I got to take my jab. I, I think we should digress to Berger's take on the uh, edge rushers, starters. So if we're hypothetically talking, Golden returns. Yes. There is no reason why he is not starting. Let's That's locked up. Okay. Uh, opposite of him is where it will get interesting. I think it's got to go to O'Shane, the third rounder okay. at Old Dominion. You know, he's coming on a sophomore season where – he started to flash at the end, you know. He had four and a half sacks, nine quarterback hits. Like they drafted him high for a reason, and he—I uh, feel like he's got like a little OC in him, kind of. But like you know, it's a little, a little smaller. But like I, uh, I think he could take the reins. He has a strong training camp. He should be the starter. I—I uh, have a feeling it could easily be Carter or Fackrell for some reason. That combination. I but, feel uh, like it's Carter's job to lose. Honestly, I mean. He's got the seniority. It should be him, but has Lorenzo Carter showed us anything that would say, I'm a starting edge rusher in this league. I can bring it every down. And I feel like I just, I'm just not confident in having him there. I, I totally agree. With but you. I don't know who would replace him. So two things can be true at the same time. I think uh, you make a fair point, Berger, that I, I do think O'Shane Zimenez, in, and this is – very complimentary for somebody who's done nothing as a third round draft pick who played situationally last year. But to your point, I think he's got, got some OC in him. I would love to see more. I, however, the idea that Marcus Golden is stepping into a starting spot, I disagree completely. I I think, and, and frankly, I think one of the drawbacks of the idea of Golden coming back is that does that take away time from these young guys? I think you went ahead and drafted O'Shane Zimenez with a third-round pick. Lorenzo Carter is a third-round pick that needs to prove that he belongs in a starting rotation at a, as a linebacker. I think those two guys on the outside need to be our starters and and get that time. They need the snaps. I like Marcus Golden, but really, he, he doesn't provide much in coverage. He's a hustle guy. A lot of his sacks, if you go back and go through it, are, are because he's a hustler. He's, I, I love watching him play but it's not like he is just a dominant talent. I like him as a, a situational pass rusher. I think Fakrell also fits that profile, but with a less pedigree. I think in an ideal world, Ryan Connolly, I, although disciple, I, I will push back. I don't know if we can just assume he's stepping in. He tore his ACL in week four last year. I, if, I, if I'm betting, I'm saying O'Shane Zimenez, Blake Martinez, David Mayo, who I actually I am impressed by him. Um, underwhelming guy, but I think he plays the role. Um, Dude, he was reliable last. He's a, no, he's a good. He's a solid. He's a solid starter, but he's not. He's not dropping any panties. 
if that makes God, any he's sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's not sexy, you know. He's he's not hips and nips. He's not keeping it sexy, you know. If uh, if I gotta eat, I'm not placing my bet. He's good against the run. Gotta make it sexy. I like him. Hips and yeah, nips. Otherwise, I'm not eating. Against the run, I'm just not sure how he's in pass coverage. Dude, he actually – I I will say he showed up against the Patriots big time. He was a big reason why they didn't go anywhere on the ground, honestly. Agreed. So, I mean, mean, if we're looking at Blake Martinez as an upgrade over Alec Ogletree from a coverage perspective, although stats might uh, prove otherwise, but I digress. Um, The – you look at David Mayo as the more thumper, run-stuffing linebacker. Blake Martinez as your utility guy. O'Shane Zimenez as a pure pass rusher. And if Lorenzo Carter fulfills his potential, he is by far the most athletic guy in that group. I think he's a little bit of do-it-all. He can rush the passer. He's not a total liability in coverage. I just don't know if we have had the coaching to get the talent out of him. This, this is his year. He's either going to be nothing more than a situational guy for the rest of his career, or he is making his stamp on the Giants defense, in my opinion. And, you know, you just made me think of an interesting point uh, about – Gentlemen, what brings me to my next point, Likely. don't smoke straight hand. I'm not saying he's a straight hand. But kind of like a like guy, the average starter, when he started his – career you know he didn't really break out of his shell until like 99 and he was drafted in like 93 man I mean maybe not 99 maybe like 97 but we're still talking year four and this is a hall of famer and this is when guys got into the league even later than they do now that's all I'm saying some guys are late bloomers but I mean I'd hate to give up on a guy but at the same time there's taking a roster spot somebody hungry has got to take it if that's the case this this is double jeopardy Alex and I'm a late bloomer said <laughs> for for those of you who are old SNL fans. Um, actually, Disciple, that's, that's an interesting point. I, I think more broadly and maybe a topic for a different day, there is much more, what do you say, immediate gratification. You know, there's not a lot of patience with draft picks. And we're also talking about a third round draft pick. So it's yes. not like this guy was a, a top 10 pick. So that's an interesting point. Um, Can we also note that we have a whole new coaching staff, so they owe true. this guy nothing. So they can cut ties with him if he has another mediocre year. Good and just day. draft somebody or the guys they drafted can easily fill in. A whole new coaching staff without an offseason and without a typical you know, camp situation, which is a whole nother wrinkle in how big is the roster size. Are we going to have to cut <laughs> those guys or are they going to allow us to keep 80 players on the roster? I mean, that's a whole yeah. new topic. We also drafted a small armada of linebackers in the late rounds. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's, it most that's certainly did. Let's, let's dig into some of these guys and then I let's, let's just put our, our, let's just lay it out there and talk about how we feel about this group. So, you know, Berger, I know you've been digging in deep. I'm sure your employer is thrilled with this write-up that you got for us today. But let's dig into these stats of some of these linebackers. How are we feeling about the guys we got? And then let's just go, what, what, what do we think about this group? So I'm putting you on the spot, Berger. All right. I'm just going to start it with my dark horse of the group they drafted. And it's going to go to Carter Coughlin. Not being biased because he shares the same last name as legendary head coach Tom Coughlin, but because watching his film, he's just an instinctive football player. Um, the guy flashes the ability to contribute against the run, the edge. Uh, he had 21 sacks over three years at Minnesota. 
36 tackles for loss. Like, the guy's a playmaker, I think. I know Minnesota's not the highest program to, like, playing football at collegially, but I I like what he offers. Um, he's 6'3", 240, so, like, you know, I think he's got some good size where, you know, he can get off that edge pretty quick. So I think he's going to give Lorenzo Carter a run for his money. And, and Minnesota uh, also – just to yeah. interject, they they were a top twenty five college football team last year. No, that they play in the Big Ten too. That's no fucking puto oh. division. Oh really? I thought they played like some shit conference. No, Minnesota's Big Ten AF. Again, they're not a powerhouse oh. team when you think about college football, you know, yeah. uh, production. But they were definitely not no joke last year, or even the I mean, last. Dude, you got to play Ohio State. You got to play Michigan. <laughs> Sounds like the shaman will fix that later. I will say the one guy, if I have anything that I'm I'm optimistic about a little bit, I, I do like Carter Coughlin. I don't disagree with you, Berger. Cam Brown, that guy from Penn State, we got uh, – you're going to have to help me with the name one of these days, but the Coach Chaos, our, our defensive line coach or our linebackers coach this yep. year, is the, is the former Penn State guy. Um, had a lot of good things to say about this dude. So six foot five, two 234, you know, a little bit bigger, uh, same weight than, than Carter. Uh, again, I, I, I will get into this in a moment. I am not particularly optimistic, but if there's somebody out of this sort of glut of random dudes we picked in the later rounds, I am very interested to see what Cam Brown brings to the table. So um, with that said, let's let's get into the takes. Come on, let's, let's, let's get out on a limb. Berger, I, I've been throwing you under the bus with the linebackers, but you've been digging in here optimistic have we fixed it decent terrible what are we thinking linebacker crew for the Giants to 2020 so I've been very optimistic uh on my take tonight um but in all honesty like I'm gonna give them like a decent grade like when I say decent that's maybe being favorable uh I'd say they're like at a C uh the weak link will be as you mentioned the inexperience maybe the lack of trading camp of this group playing together under a new defensive scheme uh, especially when our new defensive coordinator uh, was known to blitz on 35% of their snaps, which is seventh highest in the uh, league last year. And then on third down, it goes up to 41%, which is third. So an inexperienced group being able to effectively run his scheme could cause a lot of problems on defense. Um, but I I like what they have. They're bringing a lot of youth together. And uh, I'm actually really excited to see what they could do in training camp and who's going to rise to the top and take these jobs. Because, like you said, it seems like it's very wide open between the four jobs. What do you think, Disciple? Uh, I wish I were as optimistic as you, but I, I'm just kind of not. I mean, this is a, an unproven unit. This is probably the weakest link of the whole defense when you look at the secondary yeah. and the defensive line. The average age of these guys is like 23 years old. I mean – I don't know. New coach, new scheme, COVID program. I mean, I I gotta be honest, dude. I'm expecting some ugly football out of these guys. I'm not gonna lie. It could be it could be bad. I mean, the linebacker's been a weak link on this team for a long time, and I uh, I just don't know if that's gonna change anytime soon. But since you gave your dark horse candidates, I'd like to give mine. It, it's probably a long shot now. Before the season, this is my dark horse candidate. He was undrafted out of Dartmouth. His name is Nico Lalos. But I'm not sure if he's even going to sniff the team with this COVID program. I hope he does, though, because he, he, he went to Dartmouth. He, like, turned down something else. Uh, there's a whole story with him. He looked pretty good on tape, but who knows. 
Dartmouth? What, what, what is he, rooming with Fogel? McLovin? What <laughs> stupid name is that, Fogel? What, are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? Well, while you guys are at Dartmouth, I'll be at State where the girls are... Half as smart, as smart and twice as likely, likely to police me. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it, that's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, uh, Mac, what's your take on the linebacking core this day? I love where you're coming from, Disciple. I'm more on your side. But let's just cut through the bullshit, all right, and talk real facts. How is it possible that our worst defensive group for, is it crazy to say, going on a decade? I don't think so. Could possibly be worse with the investments that we've made. I, I think it's possible. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. We're going to be dog shit, all right? So unlike, you know, yeah. Current politics aside, I reached across the aisle and talked to some Green Bay fans leading up tonight's pod. So, you know, we're talking about Fackrell. He's a situational pass rusher at best, special teams contributor. He's a solid depth guy, I'll admit. And he's had one good season, but I'm pretty sure he was a 25-year-old rookie. Uh, that usually doesn't translate to success. I am thinking at best this guy is Dave Tollison for you guys um, out there, the samurai. Um I think when you're looking at free agent pickups, that's nothing to get excited about. Martinez, cool. Yeah, has a lot of tackle stats. I still have my stock in Walkmans from 1979. That doesn't mean it's the right decision. So I I, I think Martinez, he's flashy stats. He's not actually doing anything. He's from an old bygone era. Green Bay liked him enough, but nobody offered them a deal. And we're throwing this dude top money like he's one of the best linebackers in the league. I'm putting it out there. I think we have a bottom five linebacker core in the league, no doubt. And that is not good when you're paying big money free agency to some of these players and have two premium draft picks potentially in your starting four. And also, if I can do my math correctly, we are playing a linebacker heavy positional set. That's four starting linebackers and they're freaking dog shit. So I, I, I'm sorry. I, I do not share any of your optimism. I think it's going to be another year of watching tight ends eviscerate us over the middle. I, I said what I said. I heard what you said. Well, Very strong take. <laughs> I mean, Love it. You're not wrong. Lovely note. Thank you, disciple. Um, I know Berger's stewing over there, plucky optimist that he is. But that's mm. a, let's get into our first segment tonight. Huge prediction come on do i really need to explain this one so let's get weird with it huge prediction is not brought to you by Fusillo automotive but we're working on it so if anybody knows their vp of marketing please hit us up on twitter at big blue all year so i'll take it my huge prediction no surprise Blake Martinez is cut by the middle of the season. That's right, folks. I said it. I think that Gettleman, as a positive, has shown that he has a short leash. Just because he made a decision and gave money to somebody does not mean that he's going to commit to them. Look at Kareem uh, Kareem Martin. Uh, Look at Patrick. I'm not even going to try it, so I will make the same Dragon Ball Z joke again. Patrick Kamehameha our starting right guard that he paid, you know, $15 million to and cut three weeks into the season. I think we are going to see this team. You can take an optimistic look from it and say that guys like Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown, are they're going to step up. 
I think it's possible Lorenzo Carter gets some looks at middle linebacker. And I think Ryan Connolly, as he gets back from this injury, will start to cut into those snaps because I think he offers some things that our other linebackers does. And Blakey Boy is out on the streets by the bye week. That is my huge prediction. Disciple? Well, that is... Divine something for me? That is certainly uh, huge, I must admit. Uh, For my uh, huge prediction, I'm going to go out on a limb and say O'Shane Simenez is going to have 11 and a half sacks off the edge. Bold, yes, but you know what? No guts, no glory, baby. Oh, God, it's no glory. Oh, love it. The burger's feeling a little wild with this prediction for the upcoming season, boys. Saquon Barkley will beat a record that has stood tall since 1984. And yes, folks, you betcha, it's the NFL single-season rushing record held by Eric Eric Dickerson. My bold prediction is that Saquon Barkley will run for 2,200 yards. Which means he's going to have to average over 138 yards a game, oh. over a 16-game slate. Can he do it? My God, he will try. You, <laughs> the, okay, well, let's, let's – two very quick things. X-Man, um, uh, four and a half sacks as a rookie, so 11-plus double digits. I mean, I would love to see that. But let's go to the boldest prediction of them all. Barkley with the record, I mean, that would mean something for this team, right? I mean, if if we're running it down the throat, then I think Andrew Thomas is obviously just paving the way, no? (laughs) We must be winning the shit out of a time of possession battle. That'll mean that Shane LeMayu is starting at center and Matt Kurt is the right tackle if this (laughs) team is going to run like that. That's what that means. So you, you know your lips to God ear, God's ears. Questions for different segments, but do we think that Matt Pert is a is really going to step in? Like I know that Nate Solder got a lot of shit, and we are digressing quite a bit. But <laughs> um, do we really think that Pert is going to be a starter for the Giants over Nate Solder? Like I, I know that that he got a lot of uh, flack, but. I, I don't know. I, I still think the Nate Solder for the 2020 season is one of our two starting tackles, no doubt. And I, I, as pessimistic as I am, I think he will step it up from last year, in my personal opinion. Uh, he's, I mean, he's almost got no choice. I mean, it's sad to say that the fans really turned on him. At the same time, he was dealing with some health issues, his son's health issues. And, you know, I think it's – it's almost foolish to assume that uh, Parrot, Matt Parrot out of UConn, I believe that's how you say his name, uh, would be the starter out the gate or at any point this season. But, you know, at the same time, we did invest that pick into him, and it's possible that Nate Solder will actually sit the year out because of COVID, because of the health issues. And if that's the case, I mean, who are you going to have? Uh, Parrot or Fleming, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, who else be, is there? Might be Fleming. Or, well, or Nick Gates and Nick Gates. True. True, 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 true. Well, let's, we can get into that next week because I think uh, COVID is going to be top of mind with everything starting to come come back. So uh, let's let's get into our 
our next segment of the week. For for those of you who aren't familiar, what the fuck will that look like? So each week, we're going to posit a hypothetical reality. What the fuck are you talking about? And discuss what the fuck would the world look like if that hypothetical reality was true. So let's get into it quick. New York, New Jersey came out and announced no fans at the game. So Giants don't have people in the stadium, but other teams could? What the fuck would that look like? It's going to be weird, boys. I'm like trying to fathom right now what an NFL game would look like in an empty stadium, and it kind of like creeps me out. Uh, I think teams would have a huge advantage having fans in the stands. Like the Seahawks with the 12th man in their stadium? Like, are you kidding me? We don't stand a chance. <laughs> Uh, we also play them week 13 in Seattle. Like, I'm not going to lie. Let's chalk that up as an L if they have fans. Like, I don't think there's any way, like, we stand a chance against a playoff team when we're this young. Um, what do you think, J-Mac? I mean, look, as someone who currently lives in Dallas and I don't – well, who am I kidding? Yes, I do want to disparage the, the Dallas Cowboys fan base. They are fair <laughs> weather fans. I have been to too many games. Unfortunately, we have lost them all. Um the where they are walking out of the stadium when the Giants are up in the fourth quarter. And again, they always still lose. But we we are still talking about this idea of, of home field advantage. Like there there is something to it, especially when you are on um, offense and have an entire stadium screaming at you. It makes it more difficult to play. So I don't think there's really any question that in a world where the New York football giants do not have anybody in MetLife stadium, that they feel the adverse effects of stepping into other stadiums with fans in it. And we've been talking about how young this team is. They don't have an off season and you are just getting this barrage in enemy territory. I think it puts us in a really tough spot. I, I think it's, it is just, worst case scenario for us as a young team with a no offseason look. I, I don't know. That, that's how I feel. No, you're absolutely right in that. And in my opinion, it really should just be uniform, all or none. But, you know, there's a lot of political things going around. You know, the governors aren't allowing this, aren't allowing that. So, I mean, for our team, if those – you know, if those if those teams have it and we don't, it's like I said, it could be in for some ugly football, boys. Well, I guess we're gonna find out. Let's just uh, knock on wood. I mean, if you ask me what the fuck the world would look like where the Giants got no fans and other teams do, what I hear from you is that's a world where we have an NFL season. So. Frankly, I think we're going to be dog shit anyways. If we go in eight and eight, I'm freaking out. That's awesome. So I, I, I know that Giants fans don't want to drag through another season where we have nothing to think about in December. But take it from us. There's at least some positivity with a young team. Every week you can look at some reason to have to watch the game see these guys improve see what this coaching staff is all about um i mean again i I hope we have something to talk about better than that but uh if that really is the case it just means that there's football and i'll be thankful for that so that you know it is what it is um with that said let's get into our next segment 
And tonight's four-down territory is not, let me be clear, not brought to you by Pepto-Bismol. That won't stop us from shouting them out anyways. So remember the nausea you felt when Ben McAdoo slicked his hair back? Or the heartburn when Odell dropped that touchdown in Green Bay? How about the indigestion and upset stomach from that tailgate chili? Well, Pepto-Bismol has got you covered better than DeAndre Baker's lawyer. So let's get into it. Four down territory. When you know the game is on the line and you're going for it, these are your top four plays. And tonight, we're cooking up tailgate food. We're rolling with that optimism that there's going to be a season. So, Disciple, hit me. I know you are a tailgate expert. What do you got? What are your four plays? I will, as you guys know, I do go to the game in RV where we be cooking all day before and after the game. So, let's get right to it. First is my egg sandwich. A lot of early games. The last couple years, got to go with eggs. Then... (laughs) My second is ZD cooked from home, heated up in the oven in the RV. Mm-hmm. Third, I'm going with Uncle Tony's gumbo in the pot. So fucking mm. delicious. Mm. And my fourth down, of course, is the yearly tradition made by Mark. He's got fried turkey in the canister with the propane. You know, you already know. You already see it. My dad says butane's a bastard guy. Love it. Okay. Okay. I see you. All right, number one for the burger. Got to start out with chips and dip. And to dive in a little further, I make a little fire buffalo chicken dip. Not going to go ahead and toot my own horn, but I did. Number two, three-foot hero. No explanation needed. Explains itself. Number three, we're going to wings. Going on record and saying flats are far superior than drumsticks. And if you disagree, I live in St. Petersburg. Uh, Let's get And number four, sausage and peppers, boys. The, the crown, crown jewel of the tailgate spread. And enough said. said. J-Mac. Um, before I get into my four-down territory, can we just please comment on the irony that burgers don't make burgers four-downs? <laughs> <laughs> and I will not be making the same mistake because – Max Salad, duh, first down play, that's at least a three-yard rush, no doubt. Uh, second down, Speedy's, shout out to the 607. For those of you who don't know, they're basically marinated chicken, figure it out. Third down, I am running this play regardless of the yardage. It's the Feagles flank. It checks all the boxes. It's the family recipe with the marinade, and it's a Giants reference. What more could you want? And fourth down, if I need to score... You're talking about Aunt Teresa, the queen of the tailgate herself, the mozzarella stuffed meatballs. That is where I'm going every single time. I I I, I could talk for the rest of the pot about that, but let's go. <laughs> so that said, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, folks, we are possessed by the spirits that reside at 1925 Giants Drive. But hey. Even they make mistakes. So let's exercise tonight's demons with the shaman. Come on, disciple. It's Fackrell. Listen to Sean O'Hara, the legend himself, 
say it. Kyler Fackle. Kyler Fackle. Kyler Fackle. Mac, come on. Ogletree is gone for a reason, my guy. He was 38th in tackles and 48th in assisted tackles last year. And the guy we replaced him with, Blake Martinez, was first in tackles and second in assisted. And he was higher rated on PFF's point system. Two for two today, Mac. Yeah, you say it's a family recipe, but you all know you're stealing credit from your brother, Roadhouse, the originator of the Fiegel's flank steak recipe. You understand me? When y'all saying my name, put some respect on it. Did you? Let's try and be professional here for a minute, okay? His name's not Coach Chaos, it's Sean Spencer. You hear that sound, Mac? That's the Kamehameha, not Kamehameha. Kamehameha was a king from Hawaii. I know this has nothing to do with the Giants, but dude, come on. All right, all you dreamers and creamers. Can't thank you enough for joining us on the first of many Big Blue all-year episodes. So, for Burger, the Disciple, and the Shaman, I'm Mac. We're Big Blue all year. Good night. <laughs>